another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Well, today on the Unicorns, I'm talking with Jason Waller, the Chief Executive Officer and Managing Director of IntelliCare. Its ASX code is ICR. IntelliCare is an Australian aged care technology company that has commercialised a predictive analytics hardware and software system for use in the aged care and health industries. The company's platform tracks and monitors the movement of elderly residents in their homes. It's able to alert carers and family members of unexpected changes and provides daily confirmation that all is well. Jason, welcome to the program. Thanks very much for uh, having me on, Justin. It's great to be here. Okay, so tell us a little bit about IntelliCare and its products. What does IntelliCare do? Well, in very simple terms, we help people who are elderly or living with a disability to stay in their home for longer and live safely. And we do that by turning their home into a smart home using a range of sensors and then using some clever AI, learn what normal behaviour looks like in that home and then send alerts out to family or caregivers when something is out of the ordinary. Okay, so typically how many sensors would you perhaps set up in someone's home? Typically there's around uh, four to eight sensors. So we would put some movement sensors in the bedroom, bathroom, living area, kitchen, uh, door sensors on the front or rear door, and even potentially on the fridge, if that's how they prepare their meals, and power sensors on the kettle or microwave. They're very unobtrusive. There's no cameras or anything like that, and very much like sort of your security sensors. They sort of sit there in the background and forgotten. So no cameras, no microphones, but as I understand it, your system learns routines without invading privacy. So how does all of that work? Well, we upload all that data to the cloud. We're hosted on Microsoft Azure's platform, and then using our AI there, um, we start to see patterns of behaviour. And although each individual from house to house might have a slightly different routine, within themselves, their own routine, it's pretty consistent. And even a lay person, when you look at the sensor data and the way we present it, can see there's a regularity to it. So things like um, a decline in movement or maybe if they're feeling ill and, and spending more time in bed or uh, not preparing meals as regularly or going to the bathroom more at night, they really stand, stand out. Um, but the important thing is that we've spent a lot of time, you know, hundreds of thousands of hours of development, making sure that we don't send out false positives. People don't want to be alerted to things that are, are normal. So getting that, that tweaked in right, that, that's the critical path to success. And have you, have you cracked that code yet or is it still a work in progress? If it's AI, it's always a work in progress. Okay. And, and, um, but yes, we have. So our AI at the moment um, works very well. It doesn't, doesn't send out those, those false positives. If it, if it does send an alert and something's not quite right, there's normally something behind it that, that caused it that's justifiable. What we're trying to do now is work with the University of Sydney and the University of Macquarie um, to improve our machine learning. So at the moment, we're using um, algorithmic-based AI, but with machine learning, we can start to become very customised to the particular circumstances in that, in that household and refine it even more. But that takes time, years. So when you, when you talk about the alerts being sent out, 
what form are they in and who gets them? Well, the important thing is that the, the first alert you get or the normal alert you get is and everything is okay. So that's a, that's a notification, a pop-up notification that's sent to a carer's smartphone. Um, and the, the, the care team can be anyone. So the elderly person or the person with disability, they nominate who they want to receive the alerts. It might be their, their sons or daughters. It might be a home care worker that, that visits their house regularly. Um, for care organisations, they also get the alert on a dashboard. So if they have a, a central um, care supervisor, they'll see those alerts across the range of their clients. Um, but each day that pop-up notification, like you know your news or weather or an email pop-up on your phone, says everything's okay at mum's house. So you don't need to live inside the app. It, it, it tells you that everything's normal. If it's not normal, um, if it's just a, a trend that's adverse, then again, it's just a pop-up notification. But if it's something that is more critical, like for example, they haven't um, arisen out of bed that morning, then you'll also get a text alert and that starts escalating because that's a time critical message. So Jason, where did the idea first come from? It came from one of our co-founders and, and our CTO, Mike Tappenden, with his mum. Uh, Mike's a very smart guy and has been around um, IT for decades. And he realised with his mum, who had unfortunately suffered a stroke, there must be a smarter way of checking in that she's okay rather than calling her up each day. Um, because she lives some distance from where, where Mike lives. Um, so he put together this idea with our, our chair and, and co-founder, Greg Leach. And they, um, luckily enough, received a grant um, from the WA Country Health Service uh, for $500,000. That kicked them off and got the, got the product up and running and installed in regional areas here in Western Australia in, in the wheat belt. And, and those customers are still with us today. So um, from there, we were able to get some seed funding. I came on board, arranged some seed funding and uh, a listing on the ASX through our IPO, and we've been commercialising since then. I mean, it seems it seems very simple, doesn't it? That you've uh, you just set up some sensors around the house, and um, you're letting your loved ones know that that person is okay. Is anyone else uh, doing this, or are you unique in that sense? Well, it's simple in its concept, and the concept has been around. Um, for a while, uh, what our secret source here is the is the work that I said we've done with developing the AI and creating a, a large moat that's difficult for others to cross. The um, the breakthrough has come in um, with the advent of cloud technology and the reducing costs of that technology, like everything else that we've seen with IoT and, and, and AI. That's what's unlocked it. We have um, other competitors out there. There's others doing it, um, but not not many. Um, we're, uh, we're like all ships going together on a rising tide. This is a new market. It's a new category. It's, it's not like we've invented a better, faster, stronger CRM and we're trying to replace Salesforce. Uh, this is something that's brand new going into the market. So people um, have a, a technology um, aversion normally when it's new, but we see great early adoption amongst our, our clients. So for your clients, uh, if they're first getting set up, how long does that process take and what's involved? Um, to install it, it's, it's self-installable. If you've ever sort of set up, for example, a modem or um, maybe you've, you've done um, Google uh, devices or Alexa or something like that, it, it's sort of similar to that kind of setup. So you're connecting the device to the internet and then using an app, um, uh, putting it all, all together. 
We can do that for you. We have a range of installers that do it for people or people if they're tech savvy have done it, done it themselves. It takes about half an hour. The other half hour is often, often having a cup of tea with the, with the residents. So. <laughs> <laughs> or troubleshooting, yes. That's right. And, and then we'll, we'll go into a, a quality assurance mode for about a week. So we'll monitor it um, while, while it's there just to make sure it's all okay and the sensors are reporting regularly. Um, and then after about a week, the AI has picked up what's normal and starts to run um, as it should. Amazing. So we've seen a lot and we've read a lot recently about staff shortages in the aged care industry, particularly this week with the, the budget and the budget reply last night. So how can IntelliCare offer a solution to this problem? Yeah, let me say that I think the, the budget response on both sides is a bit of a missed opportunity here. Um, they're spreading it too thin. If the if the response to the structural issues in aged care was simply to throw more money at it, to pay people more and to um, nominate there has to be more staff like, like nurses, which are all welcome, and I'm not, not dismissing that. that. That's still a good thing. But if that was the answer to this complex problem, it would have been done by now. And this is a complex, wicked problem. It requires structural change to the aged care workforce. And what I mean by that is two things. Firstly, the concentration in the budget has been on residential aged care. That should be a safety net, not a destination. So fixing residential aged care, while important, um, but mind you, most of the government has actually gone on more navel gazing and consulting studies when we already know the answer that they came out of the Royal Commission. But fixing residential care is only part of it. What you want to do is fix things upstream. So what our technology does is it provides alerts, not when something's just gone wrong, but when things are starting to go wrong. And at that stage, you can intervene and put in place um, safety measures. Like it might be as simple as, for example, someone um, who is going to the bathroom more at night has a movement activated light put in their house so they don't trip up when they're, they're going to the bathroom. But you don't know that that's occurring or that that's a sign of a urinary tract infection. So they go to the GP and they get on antibiotics. We've seen that with multiple clients of ours. So what this enables staff to do is then look after more people than they otherwise can. So firstly, you can have the kind of workforce we have now covering a, a, broad, a broader spread of the age because you are monitoring people who don't necessarily need continuous touch points with a care worker, but with their family more engaged and their care worker more informed, they get a better quality of care. So that, that's the first thing. Um, secondly, even for those who are currently under um, a home, home care plan, they'll get that better quality of care because rather than just getting their package spent on the day-to-day -day domestic activities that are, tend to be the focus, they start to see um, their money going more towards the quality of their care and preventative measures that would stop them either being hospitalised um, or re-hospitalised, we've seen that occur, or ultimately um, a trigger event that might cause them otherwise to be entering residential aged care and the, the third thing I'll just add in as well, Justin, is that at the moment, people tend to make decisions about entry into residential aged care out of fear and guilt because they don't know what's going on in their mum or dad's house and they see little snippets and little, little triggers not there. and ideas. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And they can't be there in their sandwich between looking after their parents and their children. So it's a fear-based and a guilt-based decision, whereas we find that with our system in place, it becomes a data-informed decision. So people might still enter residential care ultimately, 
but they've stayed in their home for longer under the, under the combination of human care and technology. I was just about to ask that. So is it is it fair to say that your technology allows more informed decisions around care and what's appropriate and ultimately allowing people to stay in their homes where they want to be for a longer period of time? That's right. So anyone who has had a parent or grandparent with a, a care package um, will know that they then get a, a care provider to provide those services and manage those packages. And those care providers are doing a great job, but they're, they're stretched thin. And so they'll put a care plan in place and that tends to be reviewed by a, a, a supervisor once or twice a year. And that involves an, an interview with the, the resident. And I'm sorry, but the, the truth is that they don't get a full picture there. And the elderly can tend to not fully inform um, their care is what's going on because they're concerned. They don't want to be a burden. And that's fine. That's the same with all of us. I, I fully acknowledge that. Um, but providing this kind of overarching guardian angel approach, you get a much more informed decision. So uh, another example was we had um, one um, elderly lady um, and she was, she'd get taken out each day on an outing. So a, a bus would come along and they'd, they'd go and, and do things. And then her carers um, received uh, a notification that those outings were being interrupted. She, she wasn't leaving her house as often. And being socially isolated is um, a trigger event for falls. It, it increases the risk of a fall yes. by about 37%. Yep. Yes. It turned out what she had was a, a bad hip and that was flaring up and causing her pain. But she wasn't ter- telling anyone. She was just you know, soldiering on, which is, you know, um, <laughs> tends to be the attitude. Very stoic. I'm not going to be a burden. I'll soldier on. But when they found that out and treated it, she was back to normal. So th- that's the kinds of things that go unseen and unnoticed that suddenly we're providing carers with that information. And do you think there's still a lot of work to be done educating families about the options for mum and dad or for the grandparents about what's next for them rather than just, okay, let's find a home for them? Oh, a- a- absolutely. It's very, very hard navigating the uh, the aged care space. It's even harder navigating the disability care space. The, you know, the, the NDIS is really broken. Um, but the the families, when they first hit this, they're they're in the dark, and they need to understand that it's not just uh, uh, care workers and government support that's going to help them. There are things they can do right now before that even occurs um, with technology. Unfortunately, what most people do at that stage is they. Um, purchase or are given um, a pendant, which is like a duress device. Um, yes, it, an alarm, yeah. Yeah, and, and if they have a fall, they, they wear it around the neck and they, they press it. They just don't work. It, it, it's not even a placebo. And 80% of falls, um, people don't use it. And they either haven't got it on them or that it's not charged. They're incapacitated or they, they can't hit it. Yep. Yeah, well, if they're, if they're, if they're at falling at night, they're taking it off their neck and they put it on the charger and they go to the bathroom have a fall you don't know and even people who are wearing it in 37 percent of those falls they don't press it because they don't want to be a burden and they're fearful of ending up in residential care so is it your view or the company's mission to try to get your technology into i suppose the home of of every aging person absolutely and that's where we see the opportunity in the budget being a bit missed. You know, there's things that the government could do to accelerate that technology adoption. And I'm not, and I'm, you know, obviously I've got a, 
um, self-interest here, but I honestly believe that is a, a great outcome, and I'm happy for all our competitors to benefit from that as well. I think, I think, as I said before, you know, all ships go together on a rising tide. Um, there's absolutely things the government could do right now in that budget for very low cost compared to the the tens of thousands it costs for residential aged care um, to accelerate that technology adoption. So let's look at IntelliCare as a business. I understand you've got some fresh capital uh, on board recently and you've welcomed a cornerstone uh, investor that was at the end of last year. So, so what's, the, what's the focus of, uh, of those fresh funds? Uh, building up our, our sales workforce and our go-to-market strategy. So ultimately, we're a software as a service business, um, which is a great business model. It means that we get a degree of recurring revenue and that recurring revenue starts to hockey stick our, our growth. The, the trick with any, any startup, and particularly SaaS startups, is getting the adoption until you get to being uh, cash flow positive. And so these capital raises had to get us through to that, that point. Once, it, once you hit there, it goes. How far off is is that, uh, without without <laughs> without trying to pin you down? Because that's you know that's a tough question. But but what's what does that look like? Yeah, I, I think it, it it's in one to two years. So um, the the adoption rate from our our sort of foundational clients has been terrific. We've had huge names come on board. We've we've had Mercy Care uh, recently, Eremia, um, CCMB in New South Wales. Um, we recently had Like Our Own in Victoria, and we've had big names like St John of God and Bethany recently announced um, pilots with us in their residential environment, which is a new adjacent market to us. So hot off the the ASX, Intellicare just announced a partnership, speaking of partnerships, with Persona Informatics that will see Intellicare expand its reach in the wearable tech market. So tell us tell us about what that partnership means for IntelliCare. Sure, so at the outset, one of the great things that um, Mike and Greg did um, as founders was to build our platform with open architecture. And I know that sort of phrase sounds a bit techy, but what it means is that we don't rely on a single equipment manufacturer for our devices. We don't manufacture any of the devices, they're all third party. And we've built it in a way under the hood that it's very easy for us to strap on new devices as they come on the market because there's a lot of investment and a lot of focus on new technology and new sensors. They're very bespoke. They do a particular thing, um, such as monitoring heart, PCG, blood pressure, uh, radars, all sorts of things. Um, we want to be able to take advantage of those. And what Persona's done is it has, it has amalgamated a lot of those health metrics devices um, under, under one hood on their own platform. And then when we link that platform, we can take advantage of all those devices. Now, what, what does that mean? It means that the very burgeoning and increasingly important um, hospital in the home market becomes available to us. So our, we've been concentrating at the outset on home care. We've now started to tap into residential care. And the next step along from that is hospital in the home. And so this is where our under stress hospital systems are relieving that pressure by treating people in their own home, either upon discharge or without entering hospital in the first place. But they need information, they need clinical information, clinical quality information to do their telehealth 
um, conferences then to tap in to those, those patients. And that's where systems like ours can have a two-pronged approach. Firstly, they can provide that, that longitudinal picture of what's going on domestically. So if they're not moving around the house and maybe they're suffering from an infection, that, that can be picked up. But then you can, can confirm that with um, the clinical devices that would otherwise require them to come in or see their GP or, or, or such like. And am I right in saying you've got a supply agreement with Optus? Is that right? That's correct. Um, so Optus, um, very early on, um, identified that a lot of their clients, particularly uh, the uh, facilities, the residential uh, home, um, aged care facilities and retirement care, they wanted a one-stop shop for all their data and IT needs. They didn't want to have to go out to di different vendors and suppliers. They wanted one one organisation to take that under that and package together and bring it in. So um, Optus came to us and we worked together to put that agreement in place. And now they market out alongside our sales team. And that's what um, prompted this uh, pilot in, into Bethany. So your corporate HQ is in WA, in Perth. Where are your customers, your clients, uh, where are they based? I'm going to presume nationwide. Uh, are there any particular areas where, where you're stronger? We've been stronger in New South Wales and Victoria because that's where we've concentrated um, our focus on because of obviously the size of those states. Um, we also have a presence in Queensland um, and we've started to, to look at South Australia and Tasmania as well. Um, but we have clients in, in uh, those larger East Coast states. And what about um, global ambitions might be a bit early for that but is is your tech at a point where it could be easily picked up and, and scaled um geographically that that's the beauty of hosting it on microsoft azure's platform and very early on in our journey microsoft picked us up um as a um what what they um term a, a pegasus a pre-unicorn um and they supported us um, on that journey. So we can, we've been able to take advantage early on with um, a bunch of credits on, on Azure and also their help to, to ensure that we're able to scale. So with our platform, we've um, already prepared it so that we can enter the USA uh, and we've got some exploration going on there at the moment. This problem that we're looking at isn't confined to Australia. It's not even confined to Western countries. We see the same problem emerging in Asia where traditionally people have you know, looked after their own, they've looked after the elderly in their own home, but that's changing. So, um, yes, world domination is part of our, our plan, <laughs> but but it's also very easy for... Um, to get over your skis, yes. Yeah, to, exactly, to, to burn through a lot of cash, spend a lot of time and effort um, before you've got it right in, in your local country. We think we've, we've reached that point now where we've got it right and we're ready to go. I'd be keen on your insights, Jason, into... Uh, COVID and how IntelliCare responded to the challenges brought up by the global pandemic. Yeah, sure. It, it's a real double-edged sword. So in the short term, um, we took a, a hit along with everyone else in terms of our ability to just get out there and engage, uh, regardless of the industry you're in, your ability for your BD and sales team to get out there and get face-to-face -face was, was limited. And, and it's just not the same doing calls over over video link as it is face-to-face. -face. You can't develop that relationship and rapport and, and, and do all of that. Secondly, for us, we, we were 
um, that was compounded by the fact we were marketing into the aged care industry that were very impacted. So those potential prospects that had, for example, a residential care business and a home care business, um, their bandwidth shrunk to zero because they were making sure COVID stayed out of their residential care business. Um, yeah, I that was a nightmare thought. scenario, yes. Yeah, exactly. And and so we concentrated on those prospects that just had home care um, rather than resi care as well. Um, but the, the flip side, the silver lining to that is there is always for any technology, you know, what, what's called a law of diffusion of innovation. Um, and that talks about early adopters going to an early majority and then the late majority coming in and finding the laggards. We, we had, I think, um, the benefit of COVID is that that curve has been accelerated, um, and particularly amongst the elderly who now have uh, technology in their hands, whereas before they didn't have a smart device. They do. They're used to iPads and iPhones and Netflix. They, they love it. Exactly. So for a, maybe, say, 50% of our customers, uh, they didn't even have internet. So we would provide... A, a modem and a very cheap and cheerful data plan um, to get over over that barrier. Um, but now we're seeing less and less of that. Um, we're seeing that they have a smartphone, um, they're more accepting of technology, and also the aged care industry uh, realises that technology has to be part of their plan. So I'm observing that there are roles and exec positions appearing in these organisations that um, are titles like Head of Strategy and Innovation um, that didn't otherwise exist before. So IntelliCare made its debut on the ASX just under two years ago. It was very warmly re received at the time. Tell us about the journey as a public company and where do you see, for those investors in the stock, uh, where do you see potentially the share price headed? Oh, sure. I, I get to avoid forward-looking statements on our share price. but <laughs> Yes, well, let's let's keep things general then, Jason. <laughs> I, fir I firstly uh, thank all of our very patient investors because I know the price hasn't held up as it did um, post-IPO. There's a lot of excitement at the time. We, we launched in the midst of the COVID pandemic um, as everything was coming out of that crash. That couldn't have been easy. That, that was tough, but there was a lot of excitement around healthcare and the prospects of um, technology to improve um, with COVID. So I think we got caught up in a lot of that, that excitement. And that potential still exists. People still see value in the stock. They still get it. Um, all of our investors, everyone I speak to, the, the um, investor relational roadshows that I have, they often begin with it, me explaining the technology like I have now. And then the person on the other side of the, the table saying, oh, yes, I've got a grandmother or a parent. And they understand it. They get it. They get it. They get it. Yes. Now, every tech stock, every every unicorn seems like an overnight success. So people want to have that experience, but it's not the truth. Um, if you look at Netflix and more closer to home, Canva and even Atlassian, um, these companies took a long while and multiple raises to get through to where they, they are now. Um, and But once the flywheel is turning, um, the SaaS business, it's, it's a very, very good multiple on, on that stock. So I see us having the same potential. Um, we need patience from um, investors alike, but I understand that there is an, a window here that we need to take advantage of, and we are absolutely um, laser-focused on achieving those sales to, to build that up. Um, we're making sure we don't get distracted by bright, shiny science projects left and right of us, and we stay focused on, on, on that core. 
So I ultimately said, yeah, I think the, this technology will be in every home in the future. Well, following on from that, and maybe we can we can finish here. Uh, paint us a picture then, Jason, if you if you can, uh, for for your shareholders and for those potentially looking at the stock of what the next say twelve months, twenty four months, maybe five years might look like for IntelliCare. Sure. So I see us in the next twelve months continuing that focus on building up our B two B sales through the home care business, alongside that um, building up B two C because. Direct-to-consumer sales is a much larger market, but it's more intensive because you're just doing sales one by one. So both those become um, our inherent underlying revenue. Alongside that, we then start to break into new markets, particularly in those um, Western democracies. And I think the USA is very prospective because they don't have nationalised um, healthcare. Um, with Obamacare, there is some some changes there, but that's even better for us because there is uh, more insurance funding that goes into preventative measures than there, than there is in, in, uh, in Australia. Um, and then alongside that, we then start to grow the residential care market as well as our home care market. And as I said, moving into, into hospital and the home. Ultimately, I also see um, us being able to use our data um, to inform uh, preventative measures and health science and um, research. And I see a, a huge potential for us in you know, the five-year mark when we've built up a very large data set um, to do that in the future in a very considered way that is protective of people's privacy and their ownership of the data itself. Very well said. Great to have you on the show today. Jason Waller from IntelliCare, thank you very much for your time and all the best in the future. Thanks, Justin. My pleasure and thanks for the opportunity.